Welcome to Instruction Interruption, a podcast to celebrate New Mexico education in every corner of our beautiful state. I am host Alisa Cooper de Uribe, the 2021 New Mexico Teacher of the Year. Join us as educators talk pedagogy and practice and even share lessons they have learned along their teacher journey. This podcast is sponsored by the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association and is produced in collaboration with the New Mexico Public Education Department. Hey, New Mexico, this is Mandy Torres, teacher liaison for the New Mexico Public Education Department. Did you know that tens of thousands of New Mexicans are eligible for help with monthly broadband services? The Federal Communications Commission administered the $3.2 billion Emergency Broadband Benefit Program with benefits that include up to a $50 a month discount for broadband services per household, up to a $75 per month discount for broadband services per household on tribal lands, and a one-time discount of up to $100 for a laptop, desktop, or tablet computer purchased through a participating provider. Visit the PED homepage and scroll down to the Emergency Broadband Benefit for more information on eligibility and how to sign up. The PED also urges eligible New Mexico families to apply for two programs to help pay the mortgage or rent and keep the lights on so children will not be uprooted from their local schools. The Federal Emergency Rental Assistance Program was created to reduce eviction or utility service cutoffs due to financial challenges. You can visit renthelpnm.org for more information. The New Mexico Homeowner Assistance Fund offers grants of up to $10,000 to maintain housing and reduce housing cost delinquency related to the pandemic. You can visit housingnm.org for more information. Today, I sit down with Representative Andres Romero. Representative Romero is an educator, legislator, and connected community member. He teaches history at Atrisco Heritage Academy High School in his native South Valley of Albuquerque. Representative Romero became an educator after studying philosophy and history at the University of New Mexico. In 2014, he was elected to the New Mexico House of Representatives for District 10 and currently serves as chair of the House Education Committee. If you really want to do things and improve the community and you think you are able to lend your voice and, and amplify the voice of your community, is, is there's no better way of trying to do that yourself and actually putting yourself in that position where um, people will question you and, and suggest things and you work with the community on the various issues, various issues that they're facing. and, and you know, put it into practice and, and make that work. And I thought I was, I thought I was ready to do that. And um, yeah, no, I was fortunate to win. And, and like I said, here we are. And, and um, I've been very fortunate to be reelected re um, several times and, and to be able to do that. It's, it's really a, an honor to serve uh, these communities. Representative Romero shares how his family background in education and political engagement played a role in his upbringing and how his graduate studies led him to discover a love for preparing and participating in the learning process for students. As a public servant in education and legislation, he notes that we are a citizen legislature and encourages teachers to maintain open lines of communication with the many education advocates currently serving in the House and Senate. 
So put your pencils down and listen up. We're ready to interrupt your day with stories from one of New Mexico's education leaders. Welcome, Representative Romero, to our conversation today. I'm delighted that we were able to have this time to hear your story and share a little bit about our experience as teachers here in New Mexico and to learn more about you as a teacher leader. So thank you again for joining today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. It's a rare pleasure to be able to have a conversation with someone who is a colleague as a professional teacher and also someone who is a representative at the legislature here in New Mexico. And I know a little bit about how you came into education, but I would love to know, and I'm sure many others would love to know, more about your teacher story and how you found yourself uh, in the classroom. Yeah, yeah. So um, grow, growing up, my my mom was a teacher. She is a 20-year teacher at the elementary school that I went to and that my sisters went to at Los Padillas Elementary School. My aunt on my father's side had, had also been a teacher in, in Española for, for over 40 years. Um, and so um, education has been in my family for quite a while. So um, I grew up around it. Um, but really, I mean, I had thoughts of becoming a, a teacher when I was in high school, but I never pursued it in college and never entered the College of Education. Um, it wasn't until I was pursuing my master's degree at um, UNM um, in the history department when I was graduate teaching assistant um, for world history and doing kind of like the small group primary source small classes with a lot of the uh, underclassmen when when I really thought I liked teaching. I, I didn't really like the part of graduate work where I was doing research um, as a historian and spending a lot of time um, alone looking through um, the archives, but I did find that I really liked teaching people and, and being able to see their faces light up when, when you were able to convey ideas in different sorts of ways to where they understood it more, more holistically. And that's when I decided to finish up my master's, but enter education and become a teacher. So you went through the alternative licensure route. Did you enter the classroom right away? Did you uh, begin a program with one of the universities here? How did that come into play? Yeah, so I did it through Santa Fe Community College and their alternative licensure program. And I did, I entered the classroom um, right away. I started at um, Trisco Heritage Academy High School where I still teach. So I just wrapped up my sixth year there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, right into the classroom from there. That's very similar to my experience too. I studied other things before I entered the classroom, but when I began my alternative licensure program through Eastern New Mexico University, I also started teaching almost right away at the school where I currently teach. And so we kind of share that is that we became teachers growing as teachers in a place where we continue to, to work. So that's wonderful to hear about. And I think it's really wonderful to know that the things that you studied, both philosophy and history, that those are things that you can apply so readily in the classroom where, where you've been teaching at Atrisco. 
Oh, for sure. I think, I think, and and you can share your experience too, but I think having that background in the content area as well is, is really helpful for, for engaging more students and uh, finding ways that they can, can become more interested in, in what you're teaching them as well. There are so many things I remember about my master's program in Spanish, because I also did not study at a college of education for my degrees, but there are things in my master's program that I'm still even able to use in my first grade classroom. Some of the songs, some of the ways of um, positing different ideas to the students. And so having a really rich background in Spanish has made teaching in Spanish uh, so much more balanced, I would say, because there was so much more time that I spent both learning and, and living in the language that I'm teaching in now. So how oh, wonderful fantastic. to know. And I also have heard uh, from you and from other sources, not only about history and philosophy that you're teaching, but how much you enjoy using music to engage students. It's something that I've spoken with, um, with many of my colleagues in bilingual education, that music is such a key and um, very deeply personal, but also kind of universal thing that can engage students in learning. And I'm really curious to know how you use music in your classroom, in your history classroom. Yeah, yeah. So I, I primarily teach U.S. history. And one of the things I have a particular interest in is, is American music, um, popular music. So um, a lot of the ways that I embed it, particularly when we're looking, because our curriculum is essentially 20th century is is music is featured so prominently with the advent of radio um and and really looking at at the music and how the music was reflecting the time i i like teaching my students not just about you know the content area but also how we apply historical skills and historical thinking to our modern day. So um, I think looking at music um, throughout the 20th century and being able to apply it to various points in time. I'm a huge fan of Woody Guthrie. Um, actually, our, our oldest son, his middle name is Guthrie um, after Woody Guthrie. And so much of, of obviously his music is tied up with what was going on 1930s, 1940s, Dust Bowl, um, you know, World War II era, um, Great Depression, um, and then moving on through the 20th century. But I think it's, it's, a, it's a way to engage students and it's a way for them to, I think, start engaging with the music that they're listening to or um, other things that they are are looking at literature magazines whatever and see how it's it's reflective of the time in which we're living and, and really kind of tease out those elements so i like um weaving the music into to the content area in which we're studying and and seeing um where the points of continuity are and and you know where the points of criticism um of the time period or um points of where the artist may think we should or should not be going or or where they think we're going well. So um, I, I, I think it's it's a good way to grab students and I think it's a way of of having them think critically of of their own time as well, which is is something I always try to wrap up the school year with is you know applying historical skills to the modern day um, I think is is really important in critically evaluating um, you know, everything that we see, hear, read is important for them. 
I was thinking about that too, especially now how we're always living U.S. history and how I imagine that having music and other disciplines as something that you're, as a lens that you're looking through in your studies, that that also probably informs you as well as the times that your students are living through. And I know that I learn about new music through my daughter and through the kids that I teach. And I imagine that might be the same for you too. Oh, def- definitely. I, I usually when they're working independently and, and we'll listen to music as a class and I'll put something on um, depending on what they're doing. And then um, by the end of the year, we kind of have like a, I compile, compile for each of my periods, kind of like a class list, uh, a playlist of things that various students are recommending um, or offering up that, um, you know, we didn't know about or, or that they would like to hear and kind of share with with the class and stuff. So I, I think it's a super important. I will say though, if I may, that, you know, when I was in high school, my high school US history teacher and my high school English teacher both kind of collaborated together to sync their curriculum in a way that the books that we were reading in English class were in line with what we were learning about in our US history class. And I, I've, I've kind of taken that to heart in my class in trying to um, tease out, like I said, music, try to bring in um, literature from the time, poetry, and the various arts and how they they um, intertwine with the, with the time period that we're studying, that it's not just, you know, particular periods when we talk about something like, you know, Harlem Renaissance or these different, it's throughout um, history in general and all these things interconnect art history, obviously. Um, but I think it's another way to try to engage students that it's not just, you know, dates and this happened and then it led to this, um, that it's all interwoven. And, you know, we're very much immersed in it right now. I love hearing about that. I'm glad to know that you had that experience as a high school student. One of the things that the school where I teach is focused on is is trying to create as much transdisciplinary studies as possible throughout the grades and then sometimes even intergrade level as well. And sometimes when we're in our own school bubble, we have the ideas that are generated within our own community. And it's really wonderful to hear about the ideas that other people are are play, having play out in their own classrooms. Oh yeah, no, and that's awesome. You get to engage them so young in, in that sort of work and have them make those connections early on is awesome. It, does. it feels like real life. And there are some times when we wonder uh, at times if students are understanding that this is the particular discipline that they are learning in. And then we sometimes realize, well, when we, if we're really thinking about disciplines, they always are connected. And so it's been a wonderful way to be able to teach. I love hearing about that. And I also would like to hear more about your experience, uh, not only as a, a leader in your school, as a teacher, but also your road to leadership in Santa Fe and how your leadership expertise took you there as a representative of your District 10? Ooh, so that's a that's a really good question. And so, I mean, when, when I first, I've always been interested in politics, um, have always followed it, both kind of like at a very local level, um, national level. Um, my father worked in, in politics around the state for, for a number of years. Um, so I was always, you know, door knocking. That's why I learned what visibility was. So somebody offered up um, doing visibility. It meant you're going to be on a corner or somewhere waving a sign. So, I mean, I, I had 
that sort of experience doing those sorts of things from a young age, um, following my father around and, and kind of helping him out. But I'd always had a personal interest in, in, in politics. And that was actually one of the things my father had always um, impressed upon me was, you know, it's, it's good to follow kind of current events, but you have to know the history of how these things came about and the history of people um, to know um, where things are currently situated. So that kind of followed me, that put me on the path to history because um, I thought it intertwined nicely with the, with um, my interest in politics. Um, but actually when I, when I decided to run in here in House District 10, we had um, the long serving um, and the, the fantastic uh, state representative Kiki Saavedra, um, and he had served 30 plus years in the state house, was um, uh, chair of the Finance and Appropriations Committee, and, and did a lot of good work utilizing his 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 tenure in the legislature to benefit our community that is the far South Valley and parts of Southeast Albuquerque. Um, and so he had announced his retirement, and you know I had I had been going back and forth about you know whether or not to run. Um, I was born and raised in this community, have have long family roots here. And so I, I decided to do it. Um, and I was in graduate school at the time and decided to run. And, you know, my dad helped me and my entire family basically was me, my mom, my dad, and, and my wife um, running the campaign stuff. And, and I was fortunate enough to win and yeah, flash forward seven years and here we are. Um, but it was really that, I mean, it was, you know, if you really want to do things and improve the community and you think you are able to lend your voice and, and amplify the voices of your community is, is there's no better way of trying to do that yourself and actually putting yourself in that position where um, people will question you and and suggest things and you work with the community on the various issues, various issues that they're facing and and you know put it into practice and and make that work and I thought I was I thought I was ready to do that and um, yeah no I was fortunate to win and and like I said here we are and and um, I've been very fortunate to be reelected re um, several times and, and to be able to do that. It's, it's really a, an honor to serve uh, these communities. And what an excellent connection that you, you teach U.S. history. And right now, as New Mexico, you're, you're a part of New Mexican history. What, what happens in the legislature is often what makes it into the, the books and things that uh, that play out in society that, that then we talk about. I think that that's wonderful that you're you're a part of that and it's inspiring. I know that so many teachers have a lot to share and a lot of perspective and uh, oftentimes it's it's not as often that we see leadership outside of our own schools and it's really inspiring to see someone who is working alongside us in the, in a professional sense and then also representing, not only a district that you're from, but representing teachers in a way too, because it's we take who we are as professionals to uh, to the to the work that we do representing. So congratulations and thank you for for doing that. Yeah, no, I, I certainly appreciate that, and I think you're right on about. Um, 
I mean, they're one of the things that we often talk about in our our citizen legislature is the fact that we are a citizen legislature and we come from different walks of life. So I think we we bring that into the legislature, not just you know what we practice, but but also in the sense that we have. Um, you know, that sort of background where people are watching us and, and feel that sort of connection and, and are able to give us our opinion and, and to freely associate um, where they think we're doing well and, and where they think we're not doing so well. So um, it's a pretty great responsibility because you're right. It's not just about the community that I serve either. It's kind of the profession that I'm a part of um, and that we're a part of and the state as a whole, because I mean, the title is state representative and within the committee work and the, the bills that we're working on is, is going to affect uh, at the end of the day, the entire state. I also loved hearing about how it was a, a community and family affair in terms of campaigning. My mom, she ran for school board and she sat on the school board in my hometown of Raton for a number of years. And it was a really special thing to see how her close friends became her family because our family is small and how the the campaign process was also a very community building experience for her and it really enabled not only my family but um, but others in the community to feel more connected and then the result was that she was able to um, do something that she felt was really meaningful and important for her as well but it's a commitment to having your work life and then your volunteer work life as a representative, I know that there's still a family um, support that you have. And I'd love to know more about how you, you balance those professional and civic responsibilities. How does your family and your community support you as you, as you do these two types of work? Yeah, yeah, that, that's also a really good question. And, and you know, I have a really um, fantastic and supportive wife. My wife is an art teacher. She had been the librarian at her school, um, but she's moved on to the to being the art teacher at her school now. Um, but um, she's incredibly supportive. Um, obviously, it's it's something that we've talked about and continue to talk about as I continue to, you know, uh, we have to run every two years. So each time I run for re-election, we kind of talk about um, our plans and, and, and what it's been like and things like that. And, and she is incredibly supportive. She, I mean, we kind of think of it like, you know, we are our public servants and um, we're trying to do things that are good and, and, remain accountable for the things that we do. And it's kind of like the idea that um, I had mentioned earlier about when I first decided to run, it was, you know, if if you really think you could be that voice of the community and work with the community um, for the betterment of the community, um, since they're the ones that elect me um, to this position and be their voice in, in, in state government, um, then continue to do it. And I think we both have that mindset where you know, this is public service, we're doing something, um, trying to make the place and the space that we all share a, a better place and a more prosperous space, um, especially with, with our two children. And, you know, it's, it's certainly during the legislative session and particularly the, the 60 day sessions are, are really difficult. Um, obviously it, it puts a lot of personally, a lot of the burden on my wife for, um, you know, things that are going on with their children here at home, things like that. Um, 
but like I said, I mean, she couldn't be more supportive of, of this. And, and we talk about it quite often. Um, certainly my kids know that I'm in the, um, like my youngest son used to say is, uh, daddy's in the place of the big bird. Cause anytime they come, they come on the weekends, right. They see the, the seal, um, down on the house floor in the committee rooms and stuff like that. So, so they know, or if I am particularly dressed up, so if I have a shirt and tie on, they know that daddy has to go to Santa Fe for, for whatever reason. But um, I mean, that's, that is really the, the nice thing about being an educator as well is that we do have those chunks of time where we're able to be together as a family. Um, certainly as a community, I think, like you said about your mom's experience is that it, it's pretty awesome because I've grown really close to a lot of the communities in the district that I serve. Um, I've met some fantastic people through neighborhood associations, through canvassing, um, just stopping off different places where, you know, you go to the local grocery store um, or any of the stores down here. I run into students, run into constituents because um, the South Valley here in Albuquerque is, is a pretty small community. I mean, I think New Mexico's a pretty small state in general, and there's always some sort of family connection. But uh, in the South Valley, uh, it, it's it's even more so. So it's like a Albuquerque is like a, a large, small town, but very much like like the rest of the state. So um, I've, we've been able to make some some lifelong friends doing this, um, and it's been incredibly rewarding um, being able to do that. Growing up, I never would have thought that I would have had shared that opinion about Albuquerque being a large, small town because from Raton, Albuquerque was always this enormous metropolis in my perspective, <laughs> kind of like the big bird. But now I've found the same thing. We've lived here for 12 years now after living out of state for a number of years. And we run into people all the time in Raton when I was young. And we run into people often now in Albuquerque just after a few years that I love seeing that that's it's still the case even in a larger city and Albuquerque does not feel as big and intimidating as it did when I was a kid. <laughs> oh good also, yeah yeah there's always a connection in New Mexico always between people families it's gotta gotta know their last name and dig a little bit. That's right that's absolutely right and speaking of family again I read and I heard that when you are working in Santa Fe that you have a substitute teacher who is also very close to your heart. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, and I, I forgot to mention that too. So that that's a good follow up on that. Is uh, it's it's my mom. So um, when I'm in Santa Fe, my mom takes over as my permanent sub in my classroom. So um, like I said, she was a 20 year teacher, um, taught elementary school, um, and obviously I teach high school. But um, now that she's been doing it, this is was her fifth year doing it for me. Um, you know, things have been going pretty well. Um, obviously, this year was for both of us um, and and for educators across state learning to navigate distance learning um, was was a unique experience to to work on. But but, you know, we got it done. And um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm forever grateful for my mom for for being willing to to do that um, each time. I mean, it's somebody that obviously is familiar with the classroom, familiar with students um, and is, you know, very now 
very familiar with my curriculum and what we do in the class. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have her as somebody reliable in my classroom while I'm in, in, in Santa Fe. And, and, you know, that's, that's always part of the calculation too. going to Santa Fe is uh, my students. Cause not only is it, you know, the month, two months that we're, we're in legislative session, but it's also during the interims that I have to take two, three days away from the classroom as a time for, for interim committees, because that's where, that's where a lot of the sausage is being made for the next legislative session. So I need to be able to, to keep up with um, a lot of, of what's going on in the interims and meetings. And, you know, that's not to say the, the community meetings as well. Um, but those are mostly in the, in the evening. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a commitment, but um, I'm certainly, certainly glad to have her there um, in the classroom for me. Round of applause to her, especially this year. I can imagine that there was a lot of learning going on mutually students and you and her as well. For sure. It has been such an interesting year. I'm amazed that we are already into the summer now. And I often think about what I would like to remember about now and what I would like to think about in terms of the future. And I always enjoy hearing what other people would like to share as a message too for educators in general. And so I'm wondering what message would you like for educators to hear right now um, after this school year that has been like no other? Um, first, I would like to say to fellow educators is thank you for everything you do um, for the past, um, for everything that you've done this year. Um, I know everybody's world was flipped upside down and we have a lot to contend with in terms of, you know, just our curriculum, but also our students' well-being and being able to check up on them and their families and make sure that they're they're cared for. Um, and then looking forward, I mean, for now, um, enjoy the summer, um, be able to do things that you enjoy, um, knowing that come this next school year, we'll be, we'll be working on a lot of issues with our students being back um, more in person, full time and reestablishing um, all the things that make teaching and being students great in the classroom. Um, but really being able to recalibrate and, and working with our students in the various ways that in various situations that they found themselves in, because a lot of our families have had it particularly difficult um, and reestablishing those norms for our students to come back to in this welcoming environment and continuing to teach and care for our students as much as possible. But um, certainly you have, um, I think some wonderful advocates in the House of Representatives um, in the Education Committee. And uh, please keep in touch with us as far as your needs, because um, I think the the effects of this pandemic in this past school year um, are going to continue through the years. And, and that's something we're keeping our eye on. And, and we want to be an advocate and a voice for you all to get you all what you need at your individual school, in your individual classrooms, um, to meet the expectations of your community and your students and your families within your school. So thank you for everything you've done. Um, we'll continue working with you all and um, enjoy the summer months and we'll see you all back in the fall. Thank you for that message. I know that for me, it often makes a big difference to feel like we do have a personal invitation to 
uh, speak with our legislators. And it's also nice to hear from fellow teachers, others who, um, who have seen what we've seen, who have been in it in perhaps different uh, aspects of teaching. But thank you for that. I also encourage everyone to, to take advantage of, of your invitation to reach out. It means a lot. Yeah, no, please do. We have Legislative Education Study Committee. We'll meet each month. Um, we always have a public comment section. Um, we'll be meeting in Hobbs at the end of June. Um, so stop by, see us. Um, we're there for you all. Thank you again for this time for us to have a conversation. I've really enjoyed hearing more about your story, hearing more about what it's like to teach here in Albuquerque in uh, one of our biggest high schools, if I'm not mistaken. Thank you again so much for your work as a teacher, for your work as a legislator, and for your work as a leader here in the state. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And you're a wonderful facilitator, too, of these. Um, you could have a, a future in broadcasting, for sure. It's so awesome. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks again to Representative Romero, and thank you to the NMPED and Namoga for its sponsorship. May your inspiration be infinite and your coffee still warm. Thanks for listening.